Hello, print friends, and welcome to the seventh episode of Pine Copper Lime, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release an episode every two weeks, and on the off weeks, I publish an article on the Pine Copper Lime website featuring images and maybe a bit more information about the artists I'm going to interview. If you want to get in touch, Pine Copper Lime can be found on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and pinecopperlime.com. And don't forget, I'll be at the SGCI conference in March this year at the Vendor Fair, so make sure to come by, say hello, and get some merch. This week, my guest is Methi Darvishi, a self-taught mezzotint artist from Iran. With Methi, I did something I've never done before on this podcast. I'd actually never spoken to him until we sat down for this interview. I knew his work from the world of contemporary printmaking and his awesome Instagram game, but I had no idea what he was like in real life, and I was in for an incredibly pleasant surprise. Not only is he a fascinating person who is extremely thoughtful and articulate about his own work, but he has a voice made for podcasting. This episode also has a slightly different feel than the ones I've published before. It's a bit slower, it's more contemplative, and we talk about death. We actually talk about death a lot. So, you'll find I'm kind of low energy in this one, but Mehi has this incredible way of speaking that just blossoms into poetry, and it just kind of put me on my best behavior. Maybe like talking to a professor, or an aunt who works for the symphony or something. But anyway, get comfy and get ready to get down with the darkness with Mehdi Darvishi. Hi Mehdi, how's it going? Hey, good, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for sitting down and having a chat with me today. Mm, great. Um, so I'm familiar with you from seeing your work um, online and then also having the pleasure of seeing it in person at the International Mesitant Festival in Ekaterinburg, I guess, last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was last year. A little yeah. over a year ago. It was a ago. pleasure for me. Um, but would you mind introducing yourself a little bit to our listeners? Yeah. Mm. My name is Mehdi Darvishi. I was born in Iran in a small city five hours far from Tehran named Dorut. I first moved to Tehran uh, to study painting at the University of Tehran Faculty of Fine Arts. We don't have printmaking um, as a separate major in the university. So I just passed a course of printmaking with a professional printmaker named Merdot Khatoi. Uh, and it was the beginning of my journey in printmaking about 10 years ago. You said you were growing up in a small town. How did you come to find art making? Did it have a strong artistic presence? Mm, to be honest, we didn't have any artistic space in our city. But I was lucky enough to... Uh, see an artist and uh, actually an art teacher who studied in Tehran and I just know the art history 
and especially how to read a book of art history. And it was just the beginning of my interest to art. Oh, in my hometown, there was no exhibition. We just had the chance to see some books in the library of my friend's house. So at that point, were you immediately taken and decide that you wanted to go be an artist? Yes, uh, but uh, maybe we should go back uh, maybe uh, a few more years. Uh I used to paint, I used to copy caricatures and some paintings from the newspapers and it was one of the most interesting thing for me to do paintings with color pencils uh, without having any knowledge. And, uh, you know, it was kind of fun for me. But when I grew up and it was the time to choose my major, my education major, I just decided that I want to study it. We have it in the school. It was just a graphic design, but we had uh, drawing classes and I could draw and uh, I find it very interesting. I didn't want it to continue graphic design. And uh, in that school, I met that teacher and he introduced me some useful books, some painters from the art history. And I just began from seeing books and uh, studying the art history. Do you think that that ended up affecting the work that you make now? Um, Because a lot of it has kind of classical elements in it. So for instance, like your use of drapery is very, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. I always feel like that I have some great masters through the art history. I used to copy many of paintings through the art history just to learn how to make a composition, how to mix colors and uh, everything. I believe that my only master have been the art history masters. And so is that the greats like the Michelangelo Leonardo or do you have particular favorites beyond that? Mm, I love all the art history masters, actually. But yes, I love I love mm, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, any of classic masters, and nowadays painters. Um, I can I can say that one of the most favorite painters for me is Francis Bacon or mm. Lucian Freud. So you're talking about how you know you started painting, and it sounds like we're self-taught to a certain extent, before university. Yes. And you were looking at painters and you were painting. How did you come to printmaking? I can give an example from my childhood. Not, not that childhood, when I wasn't a student and it was just the beginning of uh, my education. I, really, I, I was really interested in copying very realistic paintings because I like those details. And after that, when I knew art history masters, I used to try to do paintings like them. So these details have been always interesting for me from the beginning till now. And when I started printmaking, the first technique I learned was etching. And I should just 
do some drawings with a very tiny needle and I found it very interesting. It was just interesting for me to have that focus on a very small piece of copper. And so you were introduced to printmaking at university then? Yeah. Uh, uh, as I told you, um, we don't have printmaking as a separate major in the universities in Iran. And I was lucky because we just have one course of printmaking uh, as part of a painting MFA, a BFA, sorry. And this course was with a, a very professional printmaker named Merdad Khatayi. I don't know if you, you know his works or not, but you might have seen his works uh, in Russia. Yeah, I don't recognize the name, but um, I bet yeah, I can I write it down. I was going to say, I bet seeing it written, I may, I may do a little bit better. Yeah, about it. You're yeah. Right. So, what about your your family? Were they artistic, or were they really supportive no. in your pursuits? Uh, none of them are artists, hmm. and uh, you know, for them, that all of them have particular jobs, getting paid every month. Being an artist is not a very interesting thing, you know. Yeah, especially for me, because I don't have any side job. Yeah. And my life has so many ups and downs. Sometimes I earn a good money and sometimes I don't have any money. I love that because it makes me feel alive. Mm. But it's not a, an interesting thing for my family. I think that that's, that's a common thing that you know a lot of people they just have that idea that you know you you want you'll get a job and you'll work that job for 30 years until yeah. you can't work it anymore and exactly. you'll get that paycheck every two weeks and it'll be fine and yeah yeah i've never had any support from my family actually mm -hmm. and uh i didn't want that support from my family because mm -hmm. i choose this path this way and uh, I just want to do my best for it. Fortunately, I received a very good uh, result so far. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen later, but uh, until till now, I'm very satisfied with my choice. So you talked a bit about finding etching and how that preciseness appealed to mm -hmm. you which yeah. I could definitely see if you were particularly interested in the classics and the classical greats, you know, that mm -hmm. preciseness was there. How did you come to Mezitant? Uh, when I learned how to make an etching, and uh, I used to uh, use it uh, for the first time, I used to use it to copy a photography. And the texture was kind of interesting for me that because I could make uh, something very close to a photograph, uh, in case of texture, I mean. Then I was thinking maybe I could use a white ink on a black paper. And it made it more interesting for me because at the same time, I just started working on a series with the main theme of death mm -hmm. and i see that subject as a really dark thing and it could make more sense when i was printing with white ink on a black paper bringing something out 
from a dark paper. The first time that I saw a mezzotint, I just uh, have heard about it, but I didn't know that what was uh, the mezzotint technique. Mm. I think it was the mezzotint festival uh, almost six years ago, I think. I saw their page on Facebook. I found the works very interesting and uh, just, uh, you know, nobody knows what is mezzotint in Iran. And I just learned it from YouTube. Wow. You uh, might know uh, uh, Guy Langevin. I don't think so. Uh, I'm sure you do because he's a really great mas- uh, master of mezzotints. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was a French pronunciation. His name in English would be Guy Langevin. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Just had to really uh, Anglo, Anglophile that one for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, he has a video, uh, instructional video on YouTube, and that was my only source of learning mesotint. That's amazing. And that's, do you think that um, growing up, teaching yourself from books help prepare you for learning mezzotint from YouTube? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the same thing for everything that I have through my life. I learned how to play guitar only on my own and reading some books. Mm. It was maybe 15 years ago. Do you still play guitar? No, it's 10 years that I'm mm. not playing because when I came to Tehran to study arts, I see that I need to be so serious in it if I wanted to be a successful person without having support from anybody. Yeah. So I just had to spend all my time on doing drawings, paintings, and beside that I started printmaking, and nowadays I have all my focus on mezzotint. And um, are you pretty much just working with the black paper and the white ink? No, not for now. Because okay. uh, when I when I learn mezzotint, I see that this is the best result that I want from that image. You know, I had something in my mind. I used to paint it, make some drawings, but none of the results was satisfying for me. But with mezzotint, I found it really perfect, at least for myself. You know, your work that I'm the most familiar with is the work, as you mentioned, dealing with death. And, you know, you create these really haunting, very still, very beautiful images Mm -hmm. of corpses under white sheets. Yes. And... It's such a wonderful use of the mezzotint technique because Thank you. yeah, they're they're often in dark rooms, and so that effect that mezzotint has of bringing the light from the dark, as you say, yes, exactly. seems really really effective for what you create. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know. During the last few years that I've been working very hard on mesotint, you know, it's just only four years that I'm working on mesotint. And in the first year, I was one of the finalists for mesotint festival in Russia. 
Mm-hmm. And in the third year as well, I was uh, uh, one of the three finalists for the grand prize, as you were one of the jury members, I think. Mm-hmm. So I've been just working hard, but uh, simultaneously, I was thinking why I should create an image with a technique that I can also make it with another technique very easy and in a short, in a very short time, like charcoal or conte could mm-hmm. definitely make the same. Uh, and this is a, this is a problem that I, that I always have with so many of the uh, you know mezzotints. Uh, for me, printmaking is not just a technique. You should use that technique in a correct way. And through the time that I was working, I wasn't satisfied because, oh, I can make it really easy with the charcoal. Why should I make a mezzotint? Just for having some additions, it's not a good reason, at least for me, because I could mm, make a drawing and then print it many times with the computer if I just want those copies. But in the last few works that I've made, those triptychs and quadriptychs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're reworking the plate, right? Exactly, yeah. yes. To killing the plate as well as the character and everything. And this process is something that uh, I think it's not possible uh, to do it with any other drawing techniques. What do you think? I agree. I think <laughs> I do. I mean, how could you not? How could you not? But yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons that your work, theoretically, I guess, stands out, mm-hmm. or as the practice stands out, um, because they're they're beautifully rendered images. Um, but as as you know, you know, there's a lot of mezzotint artists who can just make a really realistic image as you yes. said it's part yeah. of um, mezzotint's appeal and what its original use was was yes. to be reproduction because it has that quality so your images are beautifully rendered and then the subject matter is really striking but on top of that the way you rework the plate and have mm-hmm. that side of it that lines up with the content is a really nice use of it. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to hearing that. <laughs> it's a nice thing to hearing that. And, uh, you know, I always consider the technique as an alphabet. Hmm. Everybody can know that alphabet, but only a few people can write a poem with that alphabet. That's lovely. I, yeah. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I really believe in it. Yeah. I was thinking maybe I shouldn't work mezzotint anymore. <laughs> Please don't. We 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 <laughs> like you doing mezzotints. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I I noticed that in your artist statement, you've got at least a couple of quotes from poets. Um, yeah. And then you bring it up here as well. Is, is poetry something that inspires you? Mm, yes, I can say that p- 
poetry is part of my life because I grew up in Iran, which has a really good history in poetry. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, also, nothing can touch me as a poem. And I really uh, uh, have been inspired with um, Ahmad Shamlu, the person that I mentioned his name in my statement. Some of his poems have really inspired me. And sometimes I feel like, oh, how close we are. For, for uh, the quadriptic work, the one that is carrying a frame crossing in front of a, a graveyard. Yes. One day I was walking in a library and accidentally I opened a, a poem a book and I just found a poem very, very hunting and I used it uh, just for the title of that work. It says, I should cry so bitterly because until 100 years later, no one of the people of my city will be alive. And this is something which is happening through that uh, four stages work. Oh, uh uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, the city is being disappeared, uh, the graves are getting filled, the, the main character is gone, and the plate is dead as well. Yeah, it's, you know, what it reminds me of and what, your work reminds me of more generally is that you know those those ideas that we learn when we're first learning about death as Mm -hmm. children and that as you say you know in a hundred years everyone we know will be dead exactly and when you first learn it it's so disturbing to you as a child Mm -hmm. and then you grow up and you get coping mechanisms and you learn how to not think about it or you learn how to justify it or you accept it as part of the life but I I like how your work doesn't shy away from it it kind of brings at least for me personally it brings me back to remembering what it felt like when you first learned those things about the facts of the world Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah exactly yeah And, uh, you know, when you know that this is the most definite thing which is happening in every human being's life, Mm -hmm. for me, it wasn't disappointing. It wasn't something which makes makes me sad because it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. There is no excuse for anybody, you know. The only thing that makes it mm, much more important for me is that when you consider that as a goal as a something like a a destination you will try to make the way to that destination as perfect as possible you know i grew up in a in a not a poor family but not a rich family something average they didn't have the power to support me to catch all my dreams. But I believe that I'm catching all my dreams mm. with my work. That's lovely. You know, as an Iranian, it's really difficult to travel to the other countries. 
it's very difficult. Sometimes it's kind of impossible. I know some billionaires that couldn't have a, uh, receive a visa with all those monies. So it's not just about the money. And your your art and your practice are opening the doors that a billion exactly. dollars couldn't. Yeah. And when I was working on, on my uh, works, when I was at the beginning, I didn't even think about these things that are happening today. You know, when I was uh, making my works, every gallerist in Iran keep telling me that, oh, don't do that. That's a bitter subject. Oh, no, nobody wants to buy them. Today I'm selling well. I, I didn't expect these things are going to happen. But uh, I just love the work that I was doing. And I just uh, go for it. Went yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that during my time in commercial galleries and being that translator or that conduit for between artist and purchaser, mm -hmm. but also just my experience in life is that even if people don't realize it consciously, the favorite thing of everyone is something that's mm -hmm. genuine and oh, comes yeah. from a genuine passion. And yeah. whenever anyone tried to make work because they thought this is what sells, it never <sighs> moved, you know? There's like a yeah. stink on it then. Yeah. You're right. Or sometimes you can easily create some works for sale and you can sell it, but it goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. You just come, yeah, you just come as a wave. You go up and then falls down and get, get, uh, will get dis disappeared. Yeah, I guess that, that is more accurate because it's, you know, you can make an abstracted landscape and yeah. someone will buy it but of course it, yeah and that's and you know no shade to abstracted landscapes i've seen some lovely abstracted landscapes <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah as you say if if it's done in a calculated way it's you know there's only going to be a handful of people who want that and then when it's yeah. gone there's no evolution. There's nothing to grow into. Nothing, yeah. Just a, f uh, a few amount of money that you're going to spend it in a few days and that's it. Yeah. It's like a routine job. Your job is doing paintings, beautiful paintings, and to sell them like someone who's baking bread. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that when you were first starting, you had gallerists maybe suggesting that you shy away from dark yeah, subjects so, many times yeah yeah so early on were you working on death as well has this been a really consistent theme for you yeah it was exactly the first um, important subject that i've worked on during this last maybe eight or nine years I had many different works beside them, but it has been the most important theme and subject in my works. And I could see why people would respond to it. And, you know, having Memento Mori 
mm-hmm. is a long, long tradition in the arts. Oh yeah, um, yeah, you're you know, right. Going back to the 1400s, and at least in European art history, um, probably older in other places, and and to have it done in in a beautiful way, that's that's even better because part of one of the themes of the messages around the world is that to remain happy, you have to remember that yes. this is temporary. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. What what we choose matters because we die. Yeah. The choices we make matter and what we choose to do with our time here matters because it mm-hmm. ends. Yes, exactly. That's what I believe in it. So do you think that you'll stay with the theme? Is this something that you feel like you still have a lot more to explore in? Mm, I never know. Hmm. This is the work that uh, that uh, demands me, rules me to do something, ask me to do something. Mm-hmm. And I never know what's going to happen with the next work. Uh, the only thing that I'm not satisfied with in, in Mesotint is that it takes a long time <laughs> for that triptych that you saw in Russia. It took me a year. Yeah. And that's why I, I have written down my name on one of that gravestones with the, the date <laughs> of 2017. I... I penetrate my, my the year of 2017 into that work. <laughs> you know, I have many more ideas, and fortunately or not, I'm a perfectionist. Mm. I never get satisfied with the work. And this is why I always make the same in- image many times in different sizes to achieve the best result out of it. That's definitely, I think, something that goes hand in hand with being very interested and very good at mesitant is a personality that likes perfection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, the, the only bad thing about this, this timing is that I have so many ideas. Mm-hmm. I have so many sketches, but I never find enough time to make all of them. It's just maybe seven or seven years that I'm focused on printmaking, but I can only choose maybe five, less than 10 of my works. You know, it's a really few works for eight years. And I assume you, you rock all the plates yourself as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah, I always rock my own plates. Yeah. And when I go to a residency, I take a rock plate with me to have the most focus yeah. only on the scraping, burnishing, drawing, and printing. And for the piece that I sent you, mm-hmm. it's a it's a big piece, as, at least for a mezzotint. Right. And I'm going to keep working on the same plate. So it's going to be a huge work, maybe 70, 70 centimeter by 4 meters. Yeah with the, the quadriptic. Uh, yeah, I, I almost rocked the plate in six weeks and uh, I've been here working on it 
for six weeks, nine to nine every day, even in holidays and, and weekends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm not still satisfied because some part of the works are, yeah, unfinished. Needs maybe two more weeks to make it finished, to make the additions. Then I can go uh, to uh, scraping more for the second stage. And I'm going to make it in China Printmaking Museum mm. in less than a month. Yeah. So when you work, do you work from photographs or drawings that you've done or a combination? What's your, uh, your process like? It's almost a combination. Uh, I always start from drawing. And uh, when I... Uh, get the final result of the composition. I make it in a real life. I, I make it as a stage. I make photographs. Then print the phot photographs and mm -hmm. start painting on them. To make a final source for my image that I'm going to work on a plate. And during the process... When I feel like I should change something, I do. For example, the last work that I've done here, I mixed all of the clouds from the different countries that I've been before. And uh, when I was working on the plate, suddenly I saw some clouds crossing in front of the window of my workshop. And just catch some of them exactly directly i draw them on the plate <laughs> and just and i believe that that part is one of the best part of my work that's i love that that it's it's such a living process then for you yeah yeah it is well would you mind telling all of my listeners um where they can find out more about you and see your work um any kind of website or social media? Of course, I'm so active on Instagram, but the same as uh, my name, M-E-H-D-I dot D-A-R-V-I-S-H-I. And also I have a Facebook page. I'm just thinking about having a website, but uh, um, uh, I haven't done anything yet. Yeah, that's yeah. A, a whole other thing, really. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and I'll definitely put a link to everything in the show notes for this. Mm -hmm. Great. And um, thank you so much for speaking with me. This was great to, to talk prints and life and death and <laughs> everything else. <laughs> thank you. It was a pleasure hearing your sound. And I wish we will meet somewhere in this smallest square. It doesn't matter where. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, the print world and it's very small yes that's one of the, the great things about it for sure yeah you're right and that's our show for this week thanks so much everyone for tuning in anything of interest you can find in the show notes and if you can't find it there go ahead and drop me a line at hello at pinecopperlime.com and I'll track it down for you. this episode like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing help from Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>